Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I wanted to come to you a little bit today and talk to you about some things I think are quite important. By the way, just as a note, I'll be preaching at the First Baptist Church in Holbrook, Arizona. That's on the corner of First and Buffalo. Uh, the services will be 9.45 is Sunday school, 11 o'clock is morning worship, and then we have a Bible study at 6 o'clock that evening. I'm going to be talking about the illegalities of the trials of Jesus, and I, I think that would be interesting to come to. I want to talk to you today about, I know that Easter is over, but I want to talk to you about the consequences of, of Easter, of the resurrection, and the benefits we have. It's called Back from the Dead. A Sunday school teacher was teaching a class of four-year-olds, and it was Easter Sunday, and she asked, Does anyone know what today is? Well, one little girl raised her hand and said, It's Easter. The teacher complimented her and then asked, Does anyone know what makes Easter so special? The same little girl raised her hand and said, Easter is special because Jesus rose from the dead. Before the teacher could compliment her, the little girl added, but if he sees his shadow, he has to go back for seven weeks. The resurrection proclaims Christ's deity. The resurrection guarantees the deity of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross accomplished our redemption as he paid for the sins of the world, but it didn't prove to the world that Christ was God in the flesh. Some view the crucifixion as an honorable sacrifice made by a gifted teacher. Others point to the cross as a failure of Jesus to demonstrate his power. Like the thief who mocked Jesus, who said, If you're the Messiah, get us down from here. Critics see the cross as an insignificant death. They see Jesus as one of many who rebelled against Rome and suffered the consequences. The Bible paints a very different picture. The crucifixion wasn't a tragedy. It was a triumph, as illustrated and declared by the resurrection. The Apostle Paul declared the resurrection proved Jesus is the Son of God. The good news in, in Romans 1, 3, and 4 says, The good news is about his son Jesus. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. A Hindu faker with matted hair and ash-smeared body sat under a tree meditating. He saw part of a torn book someone had tossed away. It was part of a New Testament. He, he smoothed the crumpled pages and read words which brought strange comfort to his hungry soul. He decided to find someone who understood this book and have it explained to him. He found an Englishman who said that he understood it. The faker noticed that the Englishman wore a black armband and concluded this was the distinctive sign of a Christian. He put a black band on his arm. When people asked him who he was, he'd point to the band and tell them. One day, the faker wandered into a church and listened to a Christian preacher. At the close, he announced he was also a follower of Jesus Christ and pointed to the band as proof. They explained it was an English sign of the death of some loved one. Well, the faker answered, but I read in the book that I... My loved one has died, and I shall wear it in memory of him. 
Before long, he grasped the truth of the resurrection and realized his loved one was alive forevermore, and great joy filled his heart. He removed the armband, and, and, uh, and the light of the resurrection shone in his face as he witnessed about the resurrected Lord. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says Jesus Christ conquers all enemies and destroys all dominion and hands the kingdom over to God the Father. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 27 says, after that, the end will, after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Everything is under Christ's authority because of the resurrection. There have been pseudo-Christ claiming deity. They're all dead, or, or they will be. But the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive because he came back from the dead. He's the Holy Son of God, worthy to receive glory, honor, and praise. The resurrection promotes our dignity. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, and 23 just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. I want to be part of that, don't you? We don't know most of those he's talking about, but we know what they did. They put their faith in Christ as Savior and therefore belonged to Christ or died in Christ. They were ordinary people, just like you and me. They collided with Jesus at the intersection of life and accepted the gift of eternal life. They are the whosoevers that we understand in John 3.16 that Lord... Whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life isn't just for noted stars of the faith like the apostles. All who call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Men, women, young, old, rich, poor, educated, and the uneducated, all are welcome into the family of God, and that includes you and me, praise God. Jesus died for your sin because you couldn't atone for them yourselves, and he rose again to prove his sacrifice wasn't in vain. He's alive to prove to you and to the world that you are a unique creation of God with a significant role to fulfill in his kingdom. You're one of the, those precious souls that are too many to name but are, on, are the fruit or blessing of the resurrection. Resurrection protects against despair. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 in the ESV says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Without the resurrection, we should be pitied more than all men because we're just throwing our lives away for nothing. 1 Corinthians 15.32 says, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts of Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, and for tomorrow we die. 
Without the resurrection, we, we just eat, drink, and die because that is all we have can ever have hope to have. But Jesus is back from the dead, and he protects against a life of despair and selfish indulgence. The resurrection gives us a higher purpose. Uh, we understand that we've, uh, we're loved by our Creator who has gone to great lengths to demonstrate his love. A Muslim became a Christian in Africa. Some of his friends asked him, Why have you become a Christian? He answers, It's like this. Suppose you were going down the road and suddenly the road forked into two directions and you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road were two men, one dead and one alive. Which one would you ask which way to go? The resurrection reminds us that our trials are temporary. Uh, we may have a cross to carry for a short time, but there's a resurrection into eternal glory. Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. The problem is we don't like crosses. Most of us like to sidestep that part of the Christian life. It's kind of like the guy that was saying, Well, here I am, Lord. You said, take up your cross, and I'm here to do it. It's not easy. You know, this self-denial thing. I mean, to go through with it, though? Yes, sir. I'll, I'll bet you wish more people were willing to be disciples like me. I've counted the cost. I've surrendered my life, and it's not an easy road. You mind if I look around uh, over the crosses? I'd like a new one. I, I'm, I'm not fussy, you understand, but a disciple has to be relevant these days. I was wondering, are there any vinyl padded crosses? I'm thinking of attracting others, see. If I could show them a comfortable one, I'm sure I could win a lot more souls for you. A and I need something durable so I can treasure it always. Oh, is there one that's sort of flat so it would fit under my coat? One shouldn't be too obvious. Funny, there doesn't seem to be much choice here. Just that coarse, rough wood one. I mean, that would hurt. Don't you have something more distinctive? Lord, I can tell you right now, none of my friends are going to be impressed by this shoddy workmanship. They'll think I'm a nut or something, and my family will just be mortified. What's that? It's either one of these or forget the whole thing? But Lord, I want to be your disciple. I mean... Just being with you, that's all that counts, but life has to have a balance too. But but you don't understand. Nobody lives that way today. Who's going to be attracted to this self-denial bit? I mean, I want to, but let's not overdo it. Start getting radical like this, and, and, and they'll have me off to the funny farm. N know what I mean? I mean, being a disciple is challenging and exciting. I want to do it. But I have some rights, you know. Now, let's see. No blood, okay? I just can't stand the thought of that, Lord. Lord, Jesus, now where do you suppose he went? We get discouraged at the slightest problem, and we go into despair. Despair is like a locked door keeping one trapped in a room of pain. Hope remains at the unreachable distance behind the locked door, but the resurrection kicks open the door to freedom, peace, and hope for a better future.
I was appalled by a story I recently read. A dog chained up for 10 years, it said. I was angry when I read the story. I can't imagine why the owner of this poor dog kept it chained under a porch in Phoenix, Arizona, where temperatures easily reach 120 in the summer. The dog was found covered with tumors, ticks, and flies, and was filthy and emaciated. The dog was freed, bathed, given medical care, and placed in a new home where there were no more chains. I, I heard God say, now you know how I feel. God must feel like this when he sees the crown of his creation, human beings, chained, enslaved, imprisoned to the lies of Satan. We're bound by addictions, shackled by insecurities, fettered to our illnesses, rendered powerless by our devotion to our false gods. God's heart must ache, wanting to set us free. The good news is God already set us free. Galatians 5.1, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery of, to the law. Notice, this isn't written in past tense. It doesn't say he will save us or, or, or he did save us. It doesn't say he would love us, love to set us free. It says Jesus Christ has truly set us free. That means it's already done. We are free. We don't have to wait. We can come now for salvation. This is the glory of the message of the resurrection. When Jesus went to that cross, he overcame sin, darkness, chains, everything. Luke 4, 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. But wait, if we're already set free... Why are we still living with our addictions and our fears and our pain? Why are we still chained to our false gods and ensnared by our human natures, bound by our insecurities? Remember, Satan likes to lie to us. John 8:44, Jesus said, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And for some unknown reason, it's easier for people to believe Satan's lies than to believe God's word. It's easier to believe what we see than it is what we read. It's easier to walk by sight and not by faith. Do you feel chained like that poor old dog was? Left to your own resources by the addictions, the sicknesses, the circumstances? The good news is you've already been set free. Galatians 5.1 Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. You still see the chains, but God says to walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. Jesus asked you to realize the chain no longer has power over you. You can shake it off. Why? Because when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he set you free. But most people are too dumb to know it. 
It's kind of like what I heard about how they train elephants for the circus. They take a baby elephant and they put a big chain on the elephant's foot and they chain it to a big stump or to a big stake and the elephant pulls and pulls and pulls and tries to get free but can't because the chain is just too big and too hard to get rid of. But as the elephant grows, it's gotten so used to the chain being there, it doesn't uh, think much about it anymore. So they can even take a, a light rope or, or they can uh, braid together grass, put it around the elephant's foot. And he stays there because he thinks he's still chained. He's been taught that he cannot get loose. That is why a lot like a lot of people today, why, if God's already loosed our chains, is he sad? Because we don't walk in the freedom Christ died to give us. We're like the elephant. Listen, let's not make Jesus' sacrifice in vain. Resolve to walk in the liberty that Jesus died to give you. Put off your chains. The resurrection prepares our future. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, after that the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. It says the end will come. The resurrection guarantees Christ's promises are true. Jesus promised he was going away to prepare a place for us, his followers. In John 14, 1 through 6, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If there were not, I would have told you that I am, I would not have told you I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He promised he was going to prepare a place for us. He promised he would return and take us with him to that place. The day is coming when every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those who have received Christ's offer of eternal life will be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Those who reject Christ will face eternal death. That means torment in hell forever. The Bible calls this punishment the second death. Revelation 21, 8, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Someone will say, well, I can't serve a God who'd send anyone to hell. Well, let me tell you something, friend. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Those in hell are there in spite of God's efforts to save them. Second Peter 3, 9 the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The resurrection is your invitation to receive what Christ has prepared for you. 
His offer of eternal life is a gift that must be received. He will not force it on you. You need to ask. And so to receive Jesus' gift of eternal life, you must repent of your sins, confess them to Jesus, ask his forgiveness, claim him as your Savior, and quit living the old sinful life and begin living for him. Repentance isn't just being sorry you got caught. It's sorrow for your sins. It's not just saying a catchphrase or filling out a card. Repentance is a total life change, a total about face. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What have you done with your invitation? Jesus came back from the dead and he's calling for you to receive him today. I guess it all boils down to one or two, one of two decisions. One decision, the best one is, will you accept Christ's offer to be forgiven and become a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Or the second decision, will you reject his offer and experience the second death? A lot of sinners think hell will be a party. I've heard people say, well, when we get there, we'll be so busy greeting friends, we won't have time to notice the, the pain and the fire. Not so. When they get there, they will see a sign that says party was canceled because of fire. Listen, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't risk missing out on heaven when Jesus Christ has done everything he can to get you to go to heaven except force your will. And he will accept you if you ask him to. Father, I pray that you help those that are listening to this today to realize the most important decision that can be made in their lives is to confess their sins to Jesus Christ, to repent, to accept you as their personal Savior, and to gain uh, access to the, the very family of God and to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for working out the plan of salvation. Thank you for providing a way that we can be free from sin and alive unto Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you want to get a hold of me for any reason, you can uh, go to my website. You know, it's, uh, well, that would just give you the sermon, but the website is churchofthegalilean.com. If you want to uh, call me, my phone number is 623-845-2741. My, uh, you can text me at my phone number, uh, 623-845-2741, like I said. Or you can uh, email me with uh, lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. I hope that uh, you will accept Christ as your Savior. And remember, if you want to come meet me in person or you want to come to the church, uh, I'm at the First Baptist Church for the next, I don't know how many Sundays until I get a new pastor. I'd like to have you come become a part of what we're doing. God bless you. Talk to you later.